All right, so we are now in week three of our sermon series, Pursue Vision. So this will be the final week in, in this. Oh, so, so no. No, it's been, it's been a really great series. And as you know, the vision that God gave us for, for Pursuit Church is to connect to Jesus, to find purpose, and to make a difference, right? So in week one, we talked about connecting to Jesus. And we started with that because that's the most important thing there is. If we don't do that, the other things really don't matter, right? Um, and as a follower of Jesus, then it's, it's our goal to always stay connected to him. And, of course, to help others connect to him. And then in week two, we talked about our purpose. And we said that our primary purpose is to, for us to have a close, intimate relationship with God and then help others to do the same, right? Those two things are fundamental in terms of our purpose here on earth. And if we don't get those two things right, and if we don't do those two things, not much else about our purpose is, is, is going to have much significance. So it's really important because uh, we talked about how uh, important that was. Now, this week, we're going to finish with making a difference, making a difference. You know, if we're going to make a difference, though, we have to be different. Let me say that again. If we're going to make a difference, we have to be different, right? Each of us was created with this kind of God-sized hole in our heart. Maybe some of you have heard it put that way uh, in the past, and it's, it's a beautiful way if you haven't. Uh, it's, a, it's a great way to think about it. Each of us has this God-sized hole in our heart. Now, oftentimes, though, we'll try and fill that hole with something else, right? We'll, we'll, we'll fill it with other things. And some of those things are not so good, and some of those things might even be considered good, right? Uh, but the difference or the issue is they'll never fit in that place that God intended for him alone to be, Okay. So there's many people in our communities that devote themselves to causes or that get involved in causes. Others will try and fill then that God-sized hole with something else. And while some of these things, as I mentioned, may be good, we have to ask ourselves, do they have an eternal impact? Okay, Are those things just good for the moment? Or is there some eternal significance that's attached to them? Good is the enemy of better. I'm going to say that. Now, good can be the enemy of better, okay? Anything that has an eternal impact is always going to be better than good, okay? Anything that has that. You know, um, as a believer... There is a Holy Spirit burden that is imparted into us at salvation. So think about that for a second. It's a burden from the Holy Spirit. And we may not realize it in the moment, but as we press into God and we push into him and we get closer to him, it starts to become really clear. So over the years, I've spoken with a lot of new Christians, new believers, and most of them share this one particular aspect that I call the Holy Spirit burden, and that's a zeal for Jesus Christ. Like, we're on fire. When you first come to Jesus, you're on fire for him. You're on fire, and you want to tell everybody you know about him. And that's literally the fire that the Holy Spirit sets on fire for us so that we can tell others about him. That's, our, that's part of our mission. 
And so there's also another phenomena that as believers, we have to guard against over time and at that initial salvation moment. And that's allowing that zeal for God to wane. And it can happen to all of us. Um, I remember when um, I was um, pregnant with my oldest daughter, Leticia, my first child, I remember I was going through a lot of stuff in my life at the time. I knew that my, my marriage wasn't going to work out, and here I was pregnant, you know, knowing I'm going to be a single mom, thinking, what does that even look like? I'd never seen that married in my life. My parents were married until my dad died, so I didn't know what that looked like. And um, I just knew that I couldn't do it by myself, and I had, I'd left that home and moved in with my parents while I was pregnant, and my mom would always go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays at that time, and she had this Wednesday evening Bible study that she would go to, so I just started going um, with her to that Bible study, and um, I was really pressing into God. I was hearing from God. I was, I was learning more about Him, and I was, on, I was on fire for God, and then all of a sudden, something changed. I had my baby. And I got sucked into the vortex of just living my life out day to day, adjusting to being a new mom, adjusting to being a soon single mom, you know, going through just the everyday things of life and the everyday drama that we all, you know, tend to get involved in it, you know, from time to time. And I stopped going to church with my mom. I stopped pressing into God and um, my zeal for him waned. But, you know, as we mentioned last week, staying connected to God is the most important thing that we can do. And if we're going to make a difference in this world, an eternal impact, we have to stay connected to God. To make a difference that has an eternal impact, though, we have to be different. We said that before, but let me say that again. To make a difference that has an eternal impact, we have to be different. But what does that look like when we say be different? What does that mean? What does that look like? It starts with our own salvation. You know, we surrender our lives to God by accepting Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And that that in and of itself makes us right with God. Okay, it starts there. Our acceptance of what Christ did for us. And from that time forward, we're now on a mission to, to help others. And the best way we can help others and make a difference is to serve them. The best way we can help others and make a difference in this world is to serve them. You know, Jesus was a servant. Above all else, he was a servant. As Christians, service is how we can make that eternal difference. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesians, he was reminding them and us as believers in Jesus Christ that we are now empowered by the Holy Spirit to actually live out this new life that we have been given in Christ. Jesus was born to serve. He lived his earthly life to serve others. And in fact, Jesus actually today is still serving you. Did you know that? He's actually still serving you in your life. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says that Jesus is interceding for us. I want, you to th I want you to picture that for a minute. Right now, Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for you. Jeff, Jojo, Melinda, Belin, Carl, Ash. Bob, Karen, Jesus is actually interceding for us in this moment. 
What a what a beautiful picture. And we don't we don't often talk about that. We don't often think about that. We think about what he did for us. And we talk a lot about that in church. We don't often talk about what he's doing right now. It's powerful. You know, there are a lot of good causes. Let me back up and say this. We have to stay connected to God to fan that fire for zeal, for reaching out to others, for Jesus while we serve them. Meeting the physical needs of others does have a value. Okay, let's, let's stay. Feeding the hungry, it's, it, it, it's in the Bible. The book of James talks about true religion is this, to look after the orphans and the widows. Absolutely, there, there is a, uh, a value in providing for physical needs. But how much more impactful will it be when we not only meet their, their physical need, but their spiritual need by introducing them to the Savior of the world while we're serving their physical need? See, it's both of those things that, that have the eternal significance. There are lots of good causes out there that we can serve our community in, and we're certainly called to do that, but we're also called to do more. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now, this verse was written to believers, and it instructs us to be different. Yeah, like he was saying, when um, we become Christians, we're not the same person. We are already different. We just need to walk in that difference, that thing that sets us apart, and that's Jesus living in us. And we're called to serve and also spread the truth. We're called to serve people in love, like God serves us in love. And serving in love means we serve selflessly. We serve out of a heart transformed by the work of the cross because that's what's happened to us. We serve selflessly. We serve out of love where we're not looking for recognition. We're not doing it out of obligation. We're not serving with judgment. We're serving without judgment. We're not looking at limits or conditions in order to serve. We're serving with our whole heart because we're not that same person. We're not just showing up to volunteer for a cause. We're showing up because we were called to serve those that, were, that are around us. And we're also called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them while we're serving them, which means we have to listen to them. We have to pay attention to them and consider what they need, not what we're doing, the task we're doing, but really pay attention to those we're serving and listen, have a conversation and pay attention to what they need. And we can only do this effectively by the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing God to show us who needs what. Now, there was a book written several years ago by Gary Chapman. He's a, a psychologist and he wrote a book called Love Languages and you may or may not be familiar with it, but the whole premise of the book was basically that each and every one of us has a way that we can connect and we can receive love from someone else. And so when someone is giving us love in a way that they think we need it, we may not be able to receive it because we cannot filter it through our own um, perception, our own belief of what love really is. So that having been said, we have to remember that God created us for relationships. That's right. And if we think about it, there's kind of three primary or, or major areas where these relationships can be played out, where we can serve people. One is our family. Second, we have an opportunity in the church. And third, in our communities. So let's talk about family. Let's talk about family let's first. Talk about family. 
Again, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, we're not the same as we used to be. So that means that we don't talk the way we used to talk, and we're not the way we used to be. And we don't do things the way we used to do, right? Now, this is a journey. It's a process. And we're all on this journey together. And I've always said this, two steps up, three steps back, five steps up, one step back. We're on a journey. And doesn't mean we have to be perfect. We just need to be perfectly willing to allow God to work some stuff out in us. But that doesn't change the fact that we have an opportunity to impact our families. And we have an opportunity to serve our families. And, you know, you don't have to have the perfect family model to be able to serve our families. I mean, Lord knows. (laughs) You you don't have to have the perfect family. And sometimes, I want to just kind of tell you this or remind you of this. Sometimes it's those that are closest to us that can't receive the word of God from us. You may have to preach that. Yeah. yeah. They, I'm going to say it again. Sometimes those who know you best and who knew you pre-Jesus are not going to be able to hear or see Jesus from you. And that's okay. That, that's fine. There are some people in our lives that are never going to want to hear anything we have to say about Jesus. But we're in good company, y'all. The same thing happened to Jesus. His own family didn't want to hear. They didn't even believe in him until after they saw him in action. Mark 6, 4, it says, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. John 7, 5 says, For not even his brothers believed in him. John 7 is referring specifically to James and Jude. Those are the brothers of Jesus that later on wrote those books in the Bible. They didn't believe in Jesus until they actually saw him in action. So even if we have the most dysfunctional family on the planet, we can still serve them out of a heart of love just like Jesus does. We need to let them see us in action, living a life of integrity, trusting God, no matter what is going on around us, no matter what they say to us, yeah. no matter what is happening, as long as they that's can right. see us, yeah. that's true service. Good. True service may be the very thing that leads them to Christ later on down the line. And isn't that our purpose anyway? Uh, so good. But we need to be prepared to meet roadblocks. Jesus met them in his own family, but he persevered. He continued to love them in the way that they could be loved, in the way that they were ready to receive his love. And we can persevere also. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can persevere. And also with discernment, we can come to know teachable moments, when we should share, when we shouldn't, what we should say, what we shouldn't say. That Holy Spirit discernment and wisdom that comes only from God. So regardless if you think your family wants to listen to you, speak to them, but speak to them in love. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you discern those teachable moments. And the good news of Jesus is not preaching doom and gloom, turn and burn, right? It's just meeting them where they are, right? It's just meeting where they are. It means loving them in every moment, despite what they may say or do. Come on now. That's hard. But with God's help, with the Holy Spirit, we can do that. 
And, you know, I just want to interject here. This is not in the notes. But I was, as he was saying that, I was thinking I had one of my kids, no names mentioned, but um, when she went off to college, I used to send her. That was back in the day when they used to put the message on CDs. Y'all remember what those are? And I used to send her CDs off at college where she was, and I would send her a little note. Love you, mija. This is really good for you to listen to. And she'd be like, whatever. I, to this day, I don't even know if she ever listened to them, but that was my way of trying to share the good news of Christ. Well, that wasn't what she could receive, because I think after she moved back home years later, I found them in a box somewhere. I'm thinking, she didn't even open these. So that's why we have to use that Holy Ghost discernment to allow us to know how to share the good news of Jesus with our family and those closest to us. Absolutely. And, you know, when those family discussions kind of start taking that turn, and y'all know what I'm talking about, um, where you're going to be really tempted to uh, pop off, uh, speak your mind, tell somebody why you think you're right, all those different situations that come up in the family dynamic. Well, take, take a minute. When you're starting to see that, that's the time to let the Holy Spirit just kind of get a hold of you for a minute and say, okay, wait a minute. Maybe now is not the time for me to, to say that. Okay, or maybe there's something I want to say, but I really should say this. So let the Holy Spirit guide you and look at your family through a lens of grace. Isn't that what God does for us? He looks at us through a lens of grace and mercy. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can learn how to do that, it really helps um, us see past the imperfections of people in our family, just like we want God to see past our, and, and let's be honest, we want people, we want other people to see past our imperfections, right? We, we want that. That same thing that we want, let's extend that, especially in our families. Let's, let's extend that grace, that lens of grace. So go out of your way to love them in ways that they can receive it, right? That is mirroring Jesus. He always meets us where we are. Thank God, literally. Now, another area where we can make a difference is in the church. We talked about that, right? That's, this is another place where we can make a difference. And 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 27 puts it this way. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So these are just some of the different ways that God himself expects us to use our gifts and serve in his church. Okay, Ephesians 2.10, we talked earlier about it, again reminds us that God has a specific plan for each one of us to do very specific things according to his will and his purpose and utilizing those gifts that he has given us. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 also tells us clearly about using our gifts in church. So, sure, you know, now some of the things that are mentioned there uh, are you might think of immediately as being very specific to church, but look at things like helping and administration, we might not even think of those as churchy things, right, or things that you would use in church, and yet they are. Okay, these are regular, everyday things that are vital, though, to building, growing, and becoming, or being a part of the church, the bride of Christ. So if you turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, 
it says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. We're supposed to be serving those of the household of faith. That's us. That's the church. Church services on Sunday, y'all know they don't just happen. Everyone of y'all knows that it takes a myriad of people on Sundays to put a service on, to be able to um, use their varying gifts each Sunday, right? People with the gift of hospitality, for example, you know who they are. They're the people who you go to their house, it always smells good, it's always fresh and clean, and, and they know how to make you feel really welcome. There's always toilet paper in the bathroom. You know, it's just a, a welcoming environment. They're offering you something to drink, something to eat. Those are the people with the gift of hospitality, and every single Sunday, the gift of hospitality people, y'all know who you are. You have an opportunity to serve in God's house to bless others with that unique gift, that, to open up the doors and to make it look clean and fresh and to, to put out the refreshments to make sure the bathrooms are clean. That's the gift of hospitality. And it's a unique opportunity every Sunday to be able to do that for someone else. For example, when visitors come in and they get connected to Pursuit Church and they you know, do the info cards, then the people with the gift of administration have an opportunity to spring into action and start putting that information in the database and following up with them and making sure that they're connected with. That's the gift of administration. As a matter of fact, people with the gift of administration are some of my favorite people in life. They keep us all organized. They follow up on people. They keep us all yes. on track, right? I love people with the gift of administration. Absolutely. Hey, maybe you're that person who's always wanting to listen and seems to just have the most compassionate heart toward others. That's a gift of empathy. Yeah. People with that gift oftentimes can be on a prayer team, can be on a pastoral care team. What a beautiful place to use that gift. Some people have a gift for teaching, right? Teaching is absolutely necessary and needed in God's house in many forms and varieties. Spe specifically, let's talk about our kids, um, our next gen area. If you have, if someone has an ability to understand how to take basic concepts of God's word and share that with these beautiful young children, they can utilize that gift here at Pursuit Church or in any, or in any church. And think about teaching for a moment. Every one of us that's been saved can teach a child something about what God has done in our life, uh, some, some simple concept. You know, it doesn't require a degree in theology, uh, just a heart for kids and, and a desire to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Also, serving along someone else on a team is a good way to build community within the church. You know, look at all the friendships that we've developed just in building this church in the last four to five months. Some of us knew each other before. Some of us, we didn't know you before you started here at Pursuit Church. And yet look, or, or you didn't know each other. And look at, look at what God has already done in, in this short time. Uh, you know, I hear people ask me a lot, um, are we going to do small groups? Do we have any small groups going on right now? Well, my answer to that is, yeah, we actually do. Y'all are like, what small group? Where are those at? Well, they're teams. And serve teams mirror what a small group is, or they should mirror what a small group is. Now think about a small group. What do you have going on in a small group? You have a group of people together that are like-minded. Um, you have a group of people that are learning about Jesus together. They're praying for each other. They're making sure that the needs in that group are met, right? Well, that's what a team does. That's exactly what a team does. And that's what Jesus did with his disciples. Each serve team 
has an opportunity to pray for each other, and you should be praying together, especially before you're going to serve, but they also have an opportunity to talk about what you learned throughout the week, maybe talk about the message and what, what you got from it, what you gleaned from it. That is a perfect opportunity within a serve team to talk about those things. It's a small group. And also to pray for each other, um, to talk about what you're reading in the in the Bible throughout the week and kind of dissect that and and back and forth with each other and learn and grow in God, learn and grow with your um, knowledge of God and just in love of Jesus Christ. That's an opportunity that you get serving on a team and actually also to encourage each other. Because you know, as you go through things in life, the people on your team should be some of the closest people to you, right? You can reach out to them and they can encourage you. And this is exactly what Hebrews 10:24 means when it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So as you serve on a team, you are already literally participating in a small group. That's right. You know, as your pastors, one of our main roles is to properly, you know, present the Word of God, right, in, in a way that's relevant, uh, relatable, and, and usable. Also, we pray, you know, for you collectively and individually. But at the end of the day, we're only two people, right? We are limited into how many people we're going to be able to personally interact with. Right. Just at some point, you're going to be limited in how many people you can personally interact with. And this is why we need to train each other up. We need to train leaders and others so that we can all keep discipling other people, right? That's what the Great Commission of Matthew 28 is all about, right? And so as, as we continue to, to grow in doing that together, that's when God multiplies things. You know, making a difference in the life of someone is a powerful part of God's plan for your life. Let me say it again. Making a difference in someone else's life is a powerful part of God's plan for your life. And the church provides a great, if not the best, opportunity for us to do that. Where else can we impact that many people at one time in one place? I, I, church is not the, to be clear, is not the only place we can impact people's lives. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, I think it's the greatest. It's what Jesus said is his bride. It's, it's the place he set up for those things to happen. Yeah. And so uh, that should tell us a little bit about the significance of the church and what God wants to see happening there. So we talked about family, serving and making a difference in our families, and then we talked about serving and making a difference in church. Well, the other area that we can do that is our community. And I have said for so many years now that um, in the church, we need to be able to make a difference in the local community as the church and as the church that's in that community. And if we don't do that, then why are we there? Why are we here if we're not doing that? And um, let's see, scripture says, Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gets, gives life to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. That's the whole point. They may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So when God called us to plant Pursuit Church, we knew that part of our purpose as a church would be to serve the local community around us here. 
right here where God called us to. And you know, there's an organization down the streets, right down the freeway down here, and they offer social services for various different groups of people. But yet, we still see homelessness all around us. Something is missing, y'all. There's another organization that um, works really hard to free women that are caught up in the sex trade industry. And they work a lot in this area. But right here, literally right here down the road, down the corner from us, is one of the hottest spots for sex trafficking in this entire city. Something is missing. Something is missing. I love this verse. I put it on my arm. It's Esther 4.14. And it says, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We, the church, Pursuit Church, we are here right now in this place, in this community for such a time as this. This is part of our mission to serve this community right now with what we have. And each one of us has a unique salvation story. Every single one of us who've been saved by the grace of God have a unique story behind that. And we also have had a unique, specific touch from God along the way. And there's a reason that that's happened, y'all. That is what God wants to use to reach this community while we meet their physical needs as well. You know, there's all kinds of organizations in our city and in our state, actually in the nation, that, you know, they have social services that they offer to the general public. But the problem with those organizations is that they all have this specific criteria that you need to meet in order to get service, right? And, you know, I'm not saying those aren't good reasons. And they're accountability reasons. They're, you know, making sure that you truly qualify or truly need the help. But I'm going to tell you right now, there was a time when I was a single mom and I had applied for assistance and I didn't qualify for that assistance. And they told me I made too much money. But let me tell you something, y'all. Every single penny I made went to pay my rent, went to pay my utilities, went to pay for gas so that I could get to work to pay my bills. It went to pay for daycare for my child. I didn't have any money left over to buy food. I couldn't feed my child, y'all. But yet I didn't qualify for assistance. That cannot happen here. That kind of stuff cannot happen. Come on. Come on. Yes. That can't happen to our community. This is our community, y'all. We were sent here for such a time as this to reach the people that are out here right now on the streets that aren't even here because they don't know about us yet. But we were sent here for that. We were sent to fill in these gaps. We can't leave these gaps in service to people that are hurting. People need the hope of Jesus Christ. And we as the church have a wonderful opportunity to not only provide for their physical needs by serving them, but also to provide for their spiritual needs. Think about it. With our own salvation story, we have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ right then and there in the moment while we're serving them. We can bring hope and help to a hurting world. The message of Jesus Christ is the good news, y'all. We all know that. We've experienced it. Look at Isaiah 61. Now, this is talking about, this is foretelling of Jesus, the Messiah, and his purpose. But I want to say right now, Scripture tells us that we are all ambassadors of Christ. So think about these words. And think about them in this light. When Jesus was here, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But before he left, he said, you are now the light of the world. So I want you to think about, as she reads this next passage of Scripture, 
originally was describing Jesus, but now Jesus is saying, you are now the light of the world. Think about us as she reads this scripture. So Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Y'all, we have been appointed and anointed by God Almighty as believers of Jesus Christ to do these very things, to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. That's how we do it. We tell them our salvation story. God did it for me. He'll do it for you. This is what happened. Let me continue reading. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. There are people living under a bridge. There are people who are just going about their everyday life. There are people that, you know, they're probably still asleep right now because they had a hard party, hard night last night. These people don't necessarily know the word of Jesus Christ, and we are anointed, appointed to share that with them. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ to do these things, these very things, as representatives of Jesus Christ himself. This is serving the community right here these things. This is being a city on a hill. This is how we're going to make a difference in the lives of every single person that we were sent in this community right here to serve this, these things. You know, Pursuit Church doesn't just exist so that we have a cool place to meet on Sundays. It's great. That's part of the plan. Reva, if you want to go ahead and come. Pursuit Church is here to connect people to Jesus. That means sharing the gospel. It means leading them to salvation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as Jesus told us to. It's about finding purpose. That involves discipleship. It involves making a difference. That's giving back from what God has given us. I'd like to close today with a story of a woman who did just that in her community. Perhaps you've never heard the name Catherine Laws. Catherine was the wife of Lewis Laws, who was the warden of Sing Sing Prison from 1920 to 1941. Now, Sing Sing had a reputation of destroying wardens. And in fact, uh, Warden Laws would, would say himself, the easiest way to get out of Sing Sing is to go in as the warden they didn't last long. In 1921, Lewis Laws became the warden at Sing Sing Prison. Now, no prison was tougher at that time than Sing Sing. You may have heard, the, may have, some of you that are old enough, you may have heard Sing Sing Prison. It was one of the toughest prisons in the country. But when Warden Laws retired some 20 years later, that prison had become a humanitarian institution. Average 10 or 2 years, he was there 20. Those who studied the system said credit for the change belonged to laws, but when he was asked about the transformation, here's what he said. I owe it all to my wonderful wife, Catherine, who is buried just outside these prison walls. You see, Catherine Laws was a, a young mother of three 
when uh, he became, when her husband became the warden. And everybody warned her, do not go inside those prison walls. Don't do it. It's not a safe place. Everybody she knew warned her not to do it. But Catherine took seriously this idea that prisoners were human beings, that they were worthy of attention and respect. So she regularly visited prisoners inside those walls. She encouraged prisoners. She ran errands for them. She listened to them. She spent time with them. More importantly, she cared about them. And as a result, they cared deeply about her. In fact, when they had the first prison basketball game, she and her three kids marched right in and sat in the bleachers right next to all the other inmates. Sat there with them. She said, my husband and I are going to take care of these men, and I believe that they will take care of us. She insisted on getting acquainted with them and their records, why they were in there. She wanted to know. She discovered one convicted murderer was blind. So she paid him a visit, and holding his hand, she said, do you read Braille? He said, what's Braille? She then taught him how to read. Later, Catherine found a deaf mute in the prison. She went to school to learn sign language so that she could communicate with him. One night in October of 1937, Catherine was tragically killed in an automobile accident. And the next morning, Lewis Laws, the warden, didn't come to work. And when he didn't come to work, the prisoners knew something was up. It seemed almost instantly that everybody in the prison knew something was wrong. And the news got you know, telegraphed from cell to cell that Catherine had been killed in an auto accident. And the following day, her body was resting in a casket in their home, which was about three quarters of a mile right outside the prison walls. As the acting warden uh, took his early morning walk, he was shocked to see a large crowd of the toughest, hardest criminals gathered at the main gate weeping. He turned to these men and he said, all right, men, you can go. Just be sure to check back in tonight. And then he ordered the gates opened and a parade of convicts walked that three quarters of a mile to pay their final respects to Catherine Laws. And every single one of them checked back in that night every single one. Many said that Catherine Laws was the body of Jesus that came alive in Sing Sing Prison from 1921 to 1937. I believe that's the truth. Catherine Laws made a difference in these men's lives. In order for us to make a difference in the lives of someone else, to be those hands and feet of Jesus, just like Catherine was. It just takes a heart. It takes a heart that's willing to get to know the people that we're called to serve. It takes a heart to love them the way that Jesus would. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we come before you right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, Jesus, your son, was born to serve, and he showed us so beautifully how to do that. In fact, he served us so well that he gave his very life so that we could enjoy eternal life with you. Father, as we consider how to make a difference in this world, in our families, in your church, and in our communities, Father, we pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, for only with that can we actually make the eternal difference that you have called us to make. Father God, will you just bless us with your spirit? Will you fill us with your presence so that we are enabled to do the things that you've called us to do? For Father, without you, we cannot do it. In fact, your servant Moses said, God, unless you are with me, I don't want to go. And Father, let us be filled with that same attitude. If you're not with us, Father, we don't want to go. But when you are, there's nothing in this world that can stop what you want to have happen. In fact, your son said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And so, Father, let us be participants in what you want to do in our lives and as we make a difference in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.